Welcome to the Vigor Life Podcast, a source of inspiration, lessons, stories, skill sets, mindsets, and strategies to invigorate and expand all areas of your life. Let's go. What's going on, Coach Luca? Back here with the Vigor Life Podcast. And today's edition is really a edition of just overcoming shit that you got going on in your life and winning. Um, as you as you all know, like basically, I'm you know I'm always reading and stuff. But there's been, I just say, there's always been uh, certain books or certain works or certain things that have helped me overcome or create perspectives in my life that continue to help me overcome struggles or problems or obstacles and whatnot. And you know, the reason why I'm I'm doing this podcast is because. Every single day I talk to, whether it's you know our clients, whether it's my, my my business coaching clients, whether it's just people in general, they're going through things. There's always a, a, an obstacle in a way, right, to the next thing. That doesn't mean that you know everybody's in a you know in a bad place or always stressed out. Although although when you talk to many people, you know that tends to kind of be a pattern, right? Like. Um, it, it's always like, well, you know, this is this is what's holding me back from, or this is the thing that's in the way of um, me achieving something. So, you know, whether it's nutrition or it's a, it's something in a lifestyle change to get a, per, a person the body that they want, or it's you know a career thing, or maybe it's something personal like a relationship or a family issue or whatever it may be. The reality is that we we all are kind of like our worst enemies when it comes to uh, you know overcoming things right because of the stories that we have in our head and and today I'm going to talk about you know some I would say big ideas and and skill sets and perspectives on overcoming that and essentially you know how do I you know how do you turn obstacles into tri- triumph and defeat into success you know uh, there's there's many different ways to do that and any single one of these could be something that you use um, to to shift where you're at, right? So we're gonna go quite over quite a few things um, as as I go through the notes of you know the things that have helped me a ton in the coming uh, in the past. I don't know, even I'd say decade. Uh, I got notes from uh, from back in the day, and it's all from all types of different books, from the obstacles way to you know feel the fear and do it anyway to uh, uh, you know subtle art and not giving a fuck to Tony Robbins waking the giant within to you you name it, but. The, the point of it is, is that as I go through these, uh, I would say kind of like big ideas or, or, or principles in, in some ways that you take action on them. If I, if I'm asking the questions and we're doing a drill or something like that, that you actually apply this to yourself, you know, today or, or when you listen to the podcast, like, you know, press pause, actually do the drill. Uh, I don't care if you're, you know, a third through podcast and you have an aha moment, you do the drill and then take action on it. Great. You didn't listen to the podcast today and that's fine. The whole, the point of this is to get you moving forward, to get you in a better place, to get you to take action, right? To get you to, you know, uh, succeed. And remember, I, I, I say that the word success comes from the word succession. Succession means the next thing. It means we're constantly moving forward. And, you know, one of the points that I'll make later on uh, will, will kind of reinforce that. Um, so part of the thing that I, I, I want to touch on is kind of like these three different points, right? I want you to, to kind of change the way how you perceive your difficulties. I think that's, no, I, I think that's step number one, because the way that we perceive our difficulties can sometimes be the prison in itself that doesn't allow us to move forward. Um, then number two is like changing how you act in the face of them, right? So when you do 
realize and, and have a different perspective on your difficulty. Like you have to take action to get it, to get out of that, or to solve that problem or to move forward. Right. Um, and also how to learn and, you know, to grow and defeat, because the reality is, is that we're, we're going to lose, right? We're going to fail. Uh, it's, it's, it's inevitable. So how do we move um, from that is massively important and just to understand that, you know, to accept. And when I say accept, that's not a bad thing. But sometimes you have to accept reality and the reality sucks. Um, but you can still do something about it. So when I say that, I don't mean um, it's, it's like, oh, it's a giving up thing, right? So uh, let's start with uh, that, you know, the, how, the whole idea of, you know, perception and how, you know, perception is, is like there's a discipline to changing your perception, right? The way that you see the world is, has been imprinted by all types of different stuff, by your environment, by your parents, by, you know, this, the school you came up to in the, the books that you read, you know, social media, all these different things. Um, but you have to understand that, you know, perception is, so let, let's, maybe this has actually happened, right? But let's, let's imagine you lost money in a stock market, you know, you lose your house, like something, um, you know, you, you get kicked out of school. I, I don't know. There's there's a lot of different things. Like for me, I've been let go by teams, uh, you know, failed in school like crazy, you know, uh, been in crying, got caught, all these different things. Um, but, you know, looking at that and saying, like, is it a bad thing? Right. And of course, automatically somebody's like, man, I lost tons of money in the stock market or we got evicted from our house or whatever. Right. Like automatically your perception is, well, that's a bad thing. Uh, you know, and, and you might ask yourself, how is this not, how is this not a bad thing, right? Or, or better, you know, how is this good? But see, you have to, you have to think about that at that point in time, that may not be a great thing that's happened, but your perception has to shift. Like, uh, you know, J.D. Rockefeller, one of the richest men in history, uh, the Titan, right? And when he was offered his first half a million dollar investment to find a prof- profitable oil field, uh, after he didn't find any, he just returned the money. Now you might be saying, well, how does this connect to anything? But look, you know, he, he saw a situation and said, you know, this is not the best, this is not the best time. Yeah. I could put it anywhere and blow it and whatever, but this, this opportunity is going to come back again. I'm actually going to hold off because I know something else is coming up and I don't want to blow this half a million, but same thing, you know, maybe like what happened to where you got, uh, I don't know, evicted or lost that money is going to teach you a lesson that later on is going to make you more, is going to put you in a better position right now. That's a perspective, right? That's perception. And of course it's super challenging to, you know, to go against that, that I would say that ego or the feeling that you're in. But we talked before about, you know, a drill that I used um, and continue to use, which is called positive focus, right? Where you say, okay, you know, what, why lesson apply, right? So what happened, right? You give the, the, the unemotional, you know, pretty much documentary style what happened. And then from there you go, why is it positive, right? What's positive about it? Because it makes you search for that different perception, right? And it might be like, hey, you know what? Now we're going to have to work really, really hard to get out of the situation and and doing that is going to make us a lot better in whatever field, in whatever craft, in whatever it may be, right? So just know that there's a discipline to this. Like, for instance, positive focus. I, I, I remember I went 90 days doing that exercise every single day. And what started happening is that I started, you know, having different perceptions of negative events, what most people would call negative events, right? And it may be things like, 
oh, I just lost a number of clients, right? Uh, and I would have to find a way of like, how is that positive? And I would find essentially like percep, you know, different perspectives to it to where, you know what, you know, th this is a gift in showing me how I can improve my service on, you know, what's, where did I drop the ball, but now I can make that better. Right. And, and I think that that's like so crucial when it comes, it's almost like the first step, but it's crucial to, uh, when it comes in overcoming any type of obstacles, in, in, in your life. The other part is, you know, and this, this is closely connected is like recognizing your power. And, you know, one of my, one of my favorite stories, uh, if you guys never watched the movie, you got to watch it with Denzel Washington, but, uh, Ruben Hurricane Carter, right. Top boxing contender in the sixties. He was wrongly, uh, accused of homicide and sentenced to a lifetime in jail. Right. But he refused to take his imprisonment as negative. So that was like the, the big kind of uh, thing in that movie and, and, and so inspirational, right? Um, and even on his first day of incarceration, uh, this, is, this is what he paraphrased to one of his guards. Hey, I'm willing to stay here until I get out, but I will not under any circumstances be treated like a prisoner because I'm not. I never will be powerless, right? So he spent all his time reading, learning, uh, and after finally being released 19 years later, he didn't even ask for an apology, Right. Because if you, he refused to believe that that had negatively impacted him. Right. In fact, he, he left there a better person, um, a smarter one. What what happened wasn't bad. It just was. Now, this is from his perspective. Right. So the point is that there's a power in our perceptions, uh, an event that somebody might see as hopeless uh, frightening or something that just like completely ruined them. Somebody else can see as an opportunity. Right. So the story that we tell ourselves about an event is is event is necessarily what defines the event, right? But the event itself, that makes sense, right? It's not, it's not the event that defines you. It's what you tell yourself about the event. So you could, he, like, he could, the hurricane could have been in jail for that, that amount of time and, you know, telling himself how he was done wrong, you know, because of this, his life is ruined uh, and there's nothing he can do about it. Like everything is against him. But then he never would have, like, that would have been a, a, a perspective and a perception that would have not empowered him. And he took a different stance and came out and was able to continue with his life, right? So uh, imagine how in your life, I don't know, whether it's your kid or, or maybe if you have a business, an employee, right, makes a decision uh, that does something, I don't know. So if it's, if it's a family matter, it, it, it creates stress and drama in a family. If it's an employee and, and maybe they lost the company money, right? How can you take power over the situation? Right. How can you, I would say using it as a teaching moment uh, instead of, you know, the stress that it created or using it as a teaching moment instead of the, you know, how much money did we lose in the company? Right. This is a perfect example. And I mean, I, I wanted to give uh, an extreme example, because like I said, imagine yourself being, you know, wrongfully locked up for 19 years. Right. I mean, that's that's crazy. Right. But you have to have. Uh, a shift in perception, tell a different story to yourself that creates power to be able to overcome it. So, you know, what is something in your life right now that you, you're struggling with, but maybe telling a story that's not helping you out, that's not empowering you, right? That's not, uh, I would say, uh, leading you to where you want to go from here. Because there's always a place that you want to go, right? When you're in a bad place, you always want to go somewhere else that's better. Well, what, what is that, right? Um, the, the next big idea, the next thing that's very important here is uh, steadying your nerves, right? And th think, think th this is a great quote by Theodore Roosevelt, right? 
What such a man needs is not courage, but nerve control, cool-headedness. This he can get only by practice. Once again, we keep coming back to stuff about these, these principles and these big ideas are things that you can practice. I think one of the biggest uh, issues is that most people believe like, like that's not something that you can practice, right? We, we think about lifting weights and training the nervous system. And those are things that, oh, yeah, well, if I keep lifting weights or if I keep doing speed drills, guess what? Like I'll be able to run faster. Right. But you don't think about this mental weightlifting. You don't think about this, you know, even spiritual and emotional weightlifting. Right. And you don't have the like think think about this, that if you are focused on what you're doing, then you don't really have the time and the luxury to be rattled. Right. You're too busy. Too much is at stake. Right. So that like training your nerves to be able to become an observer uh, in a tough situation is something that once again can be practiced. Now we've talked about in the past, you know, mindfulness, meditation, how those things help, but also like asking yourself questions whenever some tough things happen can create enough distance for you to look at it in a different way. So imagine you're in the middle of a huge project and your employee coach, um, you know, person that's like has uh, has a, a massive amount of, I would say, responsibility and is doing a lot of things and they quit. Right. Think about and how will you keep your nerve in that situation? Right. Now, something that I would this is, you know, I'd have you consider this is a way of doing this um, and even talking to yourself is, hey, I cannot control this event. So I'm going to reassess who's most capable to take over the position, you know, if if if. Nobody can take over the position. Maybe it's for you to do. Maybe you have to hire another employee. But notice how I shifted from the problem, right, to what is the solution, right? In a very, because remember, so this is a very stressful situation. Instantly asking yourself how you can respond and make the situation better, right? And this connects very well to controlling your emotions, right? So think about that. If, if you can't control your emotions, our limbic system, like you're going to start making decisions that a lot of times are not going to be in line with, uh, you know, what you want to achieve. So when an obstacle comes along, we, we, like, we got to learn how not to freak out because really what does a hearty freak out ever accomplish? Like, think about that, right? Expose yourself to theoretical problems as often as possible. Practice not reacting. Then when inevitable difficulties come, you'll be ready. This is kind of like playing the fears over in your mind. And, you know, I got to say, like, this is something that I've done a lot of because, you know, I always look at scenarios and situations and go like, okay, well, what's the worst that can happen? Like, hey, what are some things that might come up that might be really, really bad here, right? And look, they, they always, I mean, I would say they always do, but a lot of times they do. So if you play them in your mind, like literally it's, it's imagine mapping out the, the obstacles that may come up. We do this with, with nutrition coaching, right? Like we find a, when I find a solution for what's going on and then say, okay, cool. Well, what are some obstacles that are going to come up? Right. And it's like, Hey, what's, what's, what's one of the two or three things that for sure could happen that are realistically could happen. Right. And once we find out what those are, we go like, all right, if that happens, then what are we going to do then? So this is the same scenario, right? And where you go like, if if this tough situation happens, what would you do, right? Know that these these are not just ways of preparing for something, uh, you know, maybe negative that's going to happen in the future. This is actually you practicing 
controlling your emotions, being able to solve these problems, right? Now, obviously, once again, like this is, this is work, this is practice just like anything else. But my question to you is, you know, how often are you doing that? Because, you know, we talk about deliberate practice and it sometimes seems so um, kind of, uh, I would say, innocuous to that, that you would do something like, you know, dribble a basketball, lift weights or, you know, do the coaching drills or, um, you know, practice how to coach, you know, internal, external cues, all these different things. But you never think about like practicing how you're going to respond in, in, in tough situations and emotional situations, right? You have to practice that too. And with that, you have to practice objectivity. Now, this is one of the biggest things, right? Because once again, as soon as we get into our emotions, we become very subjective, right? So our animal brains try to squeeze the distance between perception and action, right? I'll give you an example, right? When a deer sees headlights, because everybody knows the deer and headlights kind of analogy, when a deer sees headlight, it feels fear, so it runs. But what, what does it do most of the time or many times, right? So it runs right into traffic, right? So Epictetus said, don't let the force of an impression when it first hits you knock you off your feet. Just say to it, hold on a moment. Let me see who you are and what you represent. Let me put you to the test, right? Versus making something subjective right off the bat. So instead of instinctually allowing our subjective brains to go to task on an obstacle, we must learn to see it objectively. This happened and it is bad. It's not one idea. This happened, that's objective, and it's bad. That's subjective, right? Like, we said that it's bad, right? So you got to remember, you got to start separating these things. Um, so, you know, whether it's something like, uh, you know, your boss is being upset at you, right? You're nervous, you're afraid, uh, you, you don't want to deal with the situation, you want to go to the office. Um, you know, imagine that basically they're, they're just human like you, and this could be something, something crazy like, you know, uh, them having sex or something, you go like, oh, well, they're just, they're just like me, right? Uh, how does that change your perceptions, right? The truth is my boss is just another human being. They go home the same that I do. They have a family just like I do and so on and so forth, right? It creates some objectivity. Now, you know, that could be obviously one example of, of how you do that, but there's different ways of doing it. But the key to it is that like we give things emotions and make them subjective. And learning how to step away from the situation and go like, all right, well, this happened, right? Is it bad or not? No, it just is, right? And being able to practice that is is really important. And you'll notice that a lot of these things that I'm talking about are also principles in stoicism, which I would I would highly um you know, highly encourage you to study more of or read more of, you know, uh, Socrates, Epictetus, Seneca, you know, Marcus Aurelius meditations and, um, and Ryan Holiday's work, which, which he puts into, uh, I would say in the modern, all of his books from the obstacles, the way to ego is the enemy to, uh, 365, you know, days of, uh, stoicism, right? So just understanding that is going to shift a lot of stuff for you. Um, from there, we go to altering your perspective. So this is another quote that I, that I love, and it's like a book that probably could shift how you, you know, view perspective more than anything by Viktor Frankl, Man's Search for Meaning. But you mean, man does not simply exist, but always decides what exi his existence will be, right? Well, he will become in the next moment. By the same token, every human being has the freedom to change that at any instant. So you have the, basically the, the freedom 
to decide why you exist, right? So altering our perspective means altering, one, our context, so a sense of the larger picture, picture, not just what immediately is in front of us, and framing, a unique way of looking at the world. And we talked about how you can frame things in a different way, right? So uh, so for instance, imagine you just missed a big sale or didn't get that big deal that you wanted. How can you alter your perception to see this differently than what is obvious, right? And maybe it might be something I, I, don't, have to, I don't have time to spend on the project. I'll have more time for bigger and better opportunities that, that is shortly on the way, right? It's just you're reframing it, okay? You're reframing it and that changes things for you. So remember, once again, these are all things that you're going to have to practice, but what scenario are you in right now where you could alter your perspective that leads you into a different direction that creates power for you, right? And remember, next big thing, it's up to you. So a uh, few guys, you know, obviously baseball, Tommy John surgery. You guys remember uh, th- that why the Tommy John surgery was called Tommy John because of Tommy John. So after debilitating injury, he was a professional baseball player and he asked one question to his doctor, is there, is there something I can do to make this better? And it was basically one in a hundred chance. Um, and basically that's how Tommy John surgery came up because he actually came back and played 160 more, uh, 67 more games. And he was arguably better and stronger after the surgery than when he was, uh, than, uh, than before that. Right. So, so think about that. And this brings me to like, I have a tattoo on my, uh, on my left arm and it's the serenity prayer. And really it's more, I, you know, I chose that more so because of what it means and what and what I'm mentioning here, you know, that it is up to you how you look at things. So the serenity prayer says, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things that I can, and the wisdom to know the difference, right? So we can only control what we can control. And just like Tommy John, right, what could he control? Where his shoulder was busted, he could control like, hey, I, I have a choice to make here. Like, I'm going to go for this surgery, right? That, that's what I can control. And he went for it and he had success from it, right? And what we can control, we must control. You know, think about that. But here's, you know, here's a great application to life, right? Because this is how do you exercise this muscle, um, right? You know, this is a, a great drill to, because you might be dealing with something right now and be pissed off at it. And this is a perfect example of how you deal with it, right? Um, what, are, what are the things that only you can control out of the ones that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to name? Uh, the weather, my judgments my attitude, my perspective, circumstance, economy, my determination, other people's emotions, other people's judgment, my decisions, trends, disasters, problems, how I perceive problems, right? Notice that a lot of these external forces just cannot be controlled. There's nothing you can do about them. But things like your judgments, your attitude, your perspective, your determination, right? Your, your decisions, how you perceive problems, that's all, all on you, right? It's up to you. But things like the weather, economy, circumstance, other people's emotions, other people's judgments, trends, disasters, problems, that's out of your control. You can't do anything about it. So remember, right? We can control only what we can control. But what we can control, we must control. So that's powerful. You know, something, the next thing is that Something that we've we've talked about so many times before is, you know, living in the present moment, right? And a perfect example is, uh, 
well, I started like I started, you know, the 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 vigor. I would say the vigor around gym. Uh, I would say not the business, but the gym. Uh, literally in the worst economy uh, ever. You know, we we started our vigor gym uh, in Slovenia in a I would say bad market for for fitness. Actually, one that didn't even exist. Um, you know, half of the current Fortune 500 companies began during a bad economy. Right? How is this possible? Well, I mean. The same as it was for them, as it for me, that the founders were too busy working, too busy building, too busy with the next one thing, uh, you know, that to 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 then to care about the bad economy, right? Something that something that um was out of our influence. So the trick to forgetting the big picture is to look at everything up close. So a lot of times we might zoom out and be like, oh my goodness, like you know, so. This is all the stuff that's happening, but you could zoom in on your next action step, right? So we work we work ourselves up about events in our lives so much that we lose sight of the thing that's right in front of us, the next action, right? The truth is that most people start with a disadvantage or have problems along the way, but this is okay. Just focused on the next moment. So right now, you can have all types of stuff going on in your life, like literally millions of problems that exist in the world and in, in your life, right? But as an alternative to worrying about them, you can ask yourself this question. What's the next most important task that I have to do? Now, if you were to say, okay, this is what it is and started working on it, all these problems that are in the world and around you wouldn't matter because your focus would be on the next task, right? This is such a massive principle and, you know, to live in right then and there because now you can start working on things that get you out of where you are and just get you to where words, towards where you want to be, period. Okay. With with that said, everything we're talking about is thinking differently. You know, so the, another big idea is to think differently. But I, I would say this. You know, it's it's unfortunate, but the way most people think lead them to where they are. And I would say the average is not a good place currently in this country. You know, and I'm I'm going to speak about, for instance, health because that's one of my the, the main things that I do is help people ch- transform for good, right? Transforming their body through fitness, through nutrition, through mindset, through changing their lifestyle habits. And, you know, obviously if like, if, if you're, if you're thinking or approaching things average, you may, you're not in the best place, but you got to think differently. You know, one of the greatest, I would say, entrepreneurs of our, of our, our time that passed away was Steve Jobs, you know, who was famous for pushing his team to the limits. And to a point that, you know, he like he fired an engineer when they were trying to build that Apple mouse because the guy said that, oh, like, you know, like, this can't be done. He was like, man, you're fired. Like, why would why would you why would I even keep you on board if you don't believe that this can happen? Right. So the next engineer he hired said, yeah, I can build the mouse. Right. So you shouldn't listen too closely to what me, most people say, like, because if you do, you might find yourselves erring on the side of accomplishing nothing. So instead, be open. Think big. Do what others say is impossible. Like you have to, you have to think differently. There's, there's no other way to achieve kind of the things that you haven't achieved other than to think differently, right? So here's an example. Imagine that, you know, somebody you work with, your boss, your partner, whatever, gives you an impossible deadline. Instead of complaining or feeling for yourself, how can you think about the situation differently, right? So an example would be telling yourself, hey, I'll use this as a challenge to push myself further than I thought possible. That way, the next time I'm ready for this, so I can improve or I can whatever, right? Notice how like these are all perceptions that will take us uh, to the next step. Now, the next big idea is like finding opportunities. So when we have problems, when we have things that are going on, and is 
think about how how struggles and challenges are opportunities. I'll give you a perfect example of, you know, um, how things right now, even in my business, that have happened are are big challenges. And essentially, what they're helping us also do is find opportunities. I would say in the last two to three months, we've created new systems, put new people on a team that made that are making everything better, but. That would have never happened had we not run into struggles and problems, right? So, a uh, perfect example is like if you guys studied history in the German, uh, in, in, in the war, something called the German Blitzkrieg, right? Lightning war, that's what it means. Uh, where a force would basically just run through the front so quickly with like just overwhelming devastation that would feel the, uh, would leave the allies powerless, right? It was it was completely new. Like nobody approached war and battle from this perspective, or should I say, with this approach. Um, but at the renowned Battle of the Bulge, Eisenhower famously turned the tides by letting the Germans through, right? Instead of instead of going the uh, same approach that they used to, like meeting them head on, they let them through and then attacked them from behind, right? They found an opportunity now. Once again, like they were crushing everybody with this, but there was an opportunity in this challenge and this obstacle. So it might be like, hey, look, what's, who's your biggest competitor at work or in your marketplace, right? How are they actually making you stronger? How are they making you push yourself right now to do something better or get an advantage, right? Or, or maybe they're the reason that you're successful. Think about that. Like that's a very very big idea. Do you the 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 person that you think or are saying that is uh your obstacle or or the reason that you're not getting ahead? Maybe the reason that you're so good that you or or, or that you figured some shit out or got better, right? That's a, that's like your competition keeps you alert. They raise your they raise the stakes. They they harden you against adversity, right? I mean, you have to look at it in a different way and understand that there's an opportunity in in the things that right now you're complaining about, there's probably an opportunity hiding there, but you just have to look at it that way, right? Now, the, from here is like all these things are perspectives, but the, the one biggest idea from here is definitely like taking action on it, right? Think about this, like, you know, what's the worst setback that you've had to overcome? What did you do to win against all odds? Right. And the thing is, you should, this is how you should approach all obstacles by acting. And if like I said, once again, if you if you've read works of uh, the Stoics, you know, Demosthenes was destined to become one of the greatest orators of Athens. But first, he had to overcome a speech impediment. Guardians who stole his interference, like everything that he actually had, who was he was given down a lot to was stolen. And then he was debilitatingly slick, uh, uh, sick, sorry, and, and had a slight uh, stature. But some of the things that he did to fight these setbacks, which this is a crazy one, by the way. Um, so if you've ever, if you're ever working on public speaking, I don't know if this is the route you want to go, but you know he went this route where he would put rocks in his mouth and then run up hills so that he could he could speak on only one breath, right? He he would lock himself underground and rehearse. And when when he was asked what are the most three important traits of speech making, because that was the thing that he had to overcome the most, was he said action, action, and action, right? So even if we can't necessarily understand, you know, philosophically uh, solutions to the problems, if we stay uh, 
if, if we can, you know, if we do things without action, nothing matters. You could, you could sit here and go, oh, I get it. Like, you know, I understand what you're saying, Luca. I understand uh, these, these philosophical uh, or perspectives and the principles that you're talking about, but it's irrelevant. Like, it's irrelevant if you don't take action on it, right? So that's why right at the beginning, I said, listen, you know, if, if something hits you as I'm speaking on this right now, like, stop the podcast, do the work, right? Write things down, take action on it, call somebody, you know, uh, buy a product. I mean, damn, like whatever, something that's going to move you forward. You got to get moving, which is the big next big idea, right? So think about it. you. You have to get what's your what's your biggest goal, right? Why is it unlikely that it will work out? Now, why should you go for it anyways? Like, think about this. Okay. Think about the question that I just asked there. Why is it unlikely that it will work out? But why should you go for it anyways? Right? So this is one of my favorite quotes from Theodore Roosevelt, right? We must all either wear out or rust out. Every one of us, my choice is to wear out, right? Rusting out is sitting there not doing anything, right? You're, you're, you're rusting out because you're, you're not moving. But wearing out is like, you know what? It's like, it's almost the analogy of die empty, right? Where, where uh, I can't remember who said this, but the most valuable real estate you know, on the planet is the graveyard because it's full of, uh, you know, I would say ideas and, and, and success and things not put into action. These beautiful dreams and accomplishments that people never put out of them. And so they're in the grave with them. And that's why it's the most valuable. You know, this is essentially another way of saying that, like, you know, die empty, like, hey, go to the grave, putting everything out there. And with that said, like, you got to get moving, Right. And, and so even when, and this is why I love that question, right? So if, if you say, what's your biggest goal and why is it unlikely to achieve that? But why should you go for it anyway? I know for certain I have a couple of big dreams, like one of it being, uh, you know, Vigorville and, and building this whole city, like this utopia here in Renton um, is, you know, is it unlikely? Absolutely. I mean, like the, the si- like if I talked about the size of this, you know, ideas, it's, it's massive, but I'm going to do it anyways. I don't care. I'm going to keep pushing for it because it's worthwhile, right? I have many reasons to keep going for it. And, you know, the next idea connected to that is practicing persistence because that's is, is exactly what's going to happen when you're going to go for something big and you're going you're gonna to reach a lot of different obstacles like over and over and over again, right? And, of course, you guys have heard the story of Thomas Ed- Edison, right? He was so determined to find a working filament for, for the light bulb that he tested nearly 6,000 different options, including one made from the beard of one of his assistants. It's pretty dope, right? <laughs> uh, so Nikola Tesla once said, if Edison needed to find a needle in his haystack, he'd proceed to at once examine straw after straw until he found the object of his search, right? That's practicing persistence, right? He meant that negatively, but it's actually a great compliment. So the mantra we need to adopt there is that resistance is futile, right? No, no matter what the obstacle will overcome it with sheer force of will. And I've talked about this before as far as like, you know, willpower doesn't work. I mean, we, we, here's the thing is willpower works until it doesn't, right? So it's finite. Um, and, and that's why I talk about like the, the environments that are so important. So even though I'm, I'm talking about this principle here, it's important to understand willpower works until it doesn't. So you find the environments where you become better at this, right? What are the environments that help you practice persistence? I always tell people when, when we're training inside of Vigor Ground and we're doing our small groups, we're doing our team training, right? That when they're coming here, 
they're practicing persistence. Like they're putting themselves in an environment where I'm going to challenge them physically, mentally. And so that way they keep becoming better. And we talked about this being practice. So question for you. What's an important project you're currently working on? What's the biggest problems you're facing? Right? Why will you not quit until the job is finished? That's the other question that's aligning up with you, right? And we've, we've talked about the deep whys before. But, you know, answer that right now, right? You may be working on a project you're struggling with, and what's the biggest problem you're facing? Well, tell, tell me to write it out. Why will you not quit on this, right? Why will you not quit on this? So with that said, one of the next big things is following the process. So uh, if you guys have, have you read about Nick Saban, he's one of the most successful football coaches of all time. Ironically enough, he doesn't care about championships, right? He tells his players this, don't think about winning the championship. Think about what you need to do in this drill, on this play, in this moment. That's the process. Let's think about what we can do today, the task at hand, right? Because as soon as you think about the championship, it takes you away from what you need to do then and there. Right? So the process is about finishing, always and obsessively finishing the next thing that needs to be done. Having goals, following a path, but narrowing your focus to just the next thing. It kind of connects to talking about what's in the moment, right? If you do this, there's never any reason to panic, right? Because the process eliminates the distraction. And you've heard, you know, you've heard me talk about the process being like almost you know, everything when it comes to work and stuff, right? Um, but give you an example, all right? Let's say, let's say you got a friend that they've never ran before, uh, but just signed up for a marathon. We have it happen all the time here where somebody goes like, hey, Luke, I mean, I just signed up for a marathon, but I've never ran, right? So which of the following reactions and is, is an example of focusing on the process? One, hey, that's really far. Two, but don't you have to go to a wedding the weekend after? Three, so you don't, you're going to have to prepare for six months? Oh my gosh, shit. Or D, that's great. When's your first training run, right? Only one focuses on the process. But think about like, you know, an application in your life where something like this happens, where you do something or you take on something and then you think about everything else. Man, that's going to be so much work. Uh, wow, like it's going to cost time, money, and energy. Or awesome, like, okay, what's the next thing in front of me? Let me work on that. Because as you're working on that, all the other stuff disappears, right? So following the process and you know, going by the principle of what Nick Saban said, it's like, it's not about the championship. And, you know, ironically, it's like a lot of people win championships because they're so focused on the process, right? The next idea is like doing your job and doing it right. So another great story is like that before James Carfield was president, he paid his way through school by exchanging janitorial services for tuition. A year later, he was a professor. A few years later, the dean, right? Whatever is rightly done, however humble, is noble. Sir Henry Royce said that. So you're, sometimes you're going to have to do all the dirty work, period. Sometimes the busy work. Sometimes you won't exactly enjoy the next step in the process. But that doesn't matter. You know, a true success or what the Stoics would say, you know, a true Stoic owes it to himself and the world to always do their best. So acting like a carpenter who cares about the back of the cabinet. And, and you know, remember, this is... Uh, this is an analogy that I actually shared with one of the uh, team meetings when we had an in-staff. You know, the carpenter, he cares about what the back of the cabinet looks like, right? And, and what that means is 
that even though the cab that back of the cabinet will never be seen because it's going to be up against the wall, he doesn't care about that, right? Because he's a true master and he's a true artist. And so they make that look beautiful too. Actually, G Steve Jobs was another person who cared about the inside of the computer. Nobody ever opens up the computer. Should I say you don't care, right, when you open up the computer? But he did because he was a craftsman. He was an artist, right? So always doing your job. So this is probably one of the most powerful things. It's like if you're right now in your career or, or starting your career or, or stuck somewhere, you know, going back to that process, right? And remember, this is connected. All of these things are connected, right? And think about what's the most, you know, tedious or annoying job about your task, Right. And how. But the thing is, now think about how this is not a burden, but rather an opportunity to practice the right action. It's so easy to get away from that and go like, oh, man, I just want to do the things that I love doing. But the reality is that to become a master, to become great, you're going to do some things that you don't love doing, but it's going to make you great at what you do. Right. So. Big idea. What's right is what works. And so. Another story that I wanted to share with you is United Fruit, one of the most, you know, most powerful companies in the world and a small upstart owned by Samuel Zemeray, both wanted the same price piece of land in Guatemala. The problem was that two farmers claimed to own the land. So United Fruit sent down lawyers and negotiators and politicians to try and work out the problem while Samuel just bought the land from both of the men. So, uh, uh, you know, this is a story as an example of extreme pragmatism, right? You may have a problem where the obvious solution is not going to work. So what? Think outside the box, right? The right way is what works. Don't overcomplicate it. Once again, the right way is what works. So let's say you've always wanted to be a fashion designer. and In a chance encounter at a cafe, you meet your idol, Vera Wang. Not something that I'm rocking, but you, you, know, you, guys, you guys know the deal, right? But you don't have your drawings or your computer. So think about that. Like what, you know, what's the right way to go about it? So brainstorm three ways to show her your work by any means necessary. This is something that you can work on, right? Put yourself in examples. We talked about this, right? Creating examples that you have to think about, the obstacles that are going to come up and solve them before they come up. This will be a perfect example. What's right is what works. Like, what would you do in that scenario, right? Maybe you could start literally like chopping up your own clothes to show something you do, or maybe you're, you're rocking something yourself. Right? Or maybe you can draw it up on pieces of paper and napkins, some cool ideas. But the point of it is, like, become a problem solver. So one of the next uh, big ideas is, like, using the obstacles against themselves. Now, you might be asking, like, hey, what, you know, what does that actually even mean, Luca, right? But so let's imagine that, like, let's imagine that you're in a company and you have some, you know, great ideas. Like, you literally, you're seeing things that are stopping a certain process or a certain department or a certain thing moving forward, you know, and, and you give these ideas, um, you know, to your boss or to the, per, to the manager, whatever it may be, and they just keep getting shut down and keep getting shut down and keep getting shut down. But at the same time, you're like, you're like, well, you know, fuck it. Like, I'm just going to go and take this idea and like start my own, whether it's product or process that will solve this problem. So, you know, like now you use the obstacle against it, the, itself because, you, you maybe have started a new company that's now competing against it and beating it because you're imp uh, improving a solution. And, and like I said, you can make this uh, example smaller or bigger, whatever you want it to be, right? But that's a perfect example where you're using an obstacle against itself and finding a better solution. 
challenging challenging your energy like this is something that in my actually this is i would say that this actually fueled a lot of um i would say my life to be honest and, and, and possibly still does right and the fact is that like not only that adversity can harden you sure but it can also loosen you up make you better Right, so you have you have your own constraints and problems, but you have you don't have to be suffocated by them, right? You can eat them as fuel, and that's what it did for me. Like it was, um, you know, I, I took my frustrations and channeled them into energy and productive intensity, and it started with, you know, basketball. And I talked about this before that, like I, you know, I, I, I wasn't great at basketball. I was short. I wasn't good at it. Nobody picked me, and like that, I channeled that fuel, that energy, into like working hard to become better at it. Right, so. This is a perfect example of, of, you know, literally what happened, I think, six weeks ago when I did that presentation. I talked about it, right? But let's imagine you're about to give a presentation. The PowerPoint projector stops working. Your computer shuts off. You're left with just your mind and your voice. Like, what do you do, right? And we talked about this before, but action, action cures fear, right? Eat the problem and use it. And the, like, this is literally exactly what happened. Like, nothing was working, and I just went acapella. And as I started, the thing is I had like uh, this massive anxiety attack and I just jumped into the presentation and started uh, with a story. And even even uh, uh, I would say acknowledging I was like, hey, sometimes shit happens. Things go wrong. And guess what, guys? Like this is what's going to happen during your six week challenge. Right. So I used I actually used the story uh, as a as a learning lesson. So what I was going through in the moment, I used it as a learning lesson in the presentation and that's what kicked it off. And and I said, hey, you know, this is a perfect example of seeing how to overcome something uh, that's going to happen to you when, you know, you're not you're not prepared for it or you didn't, you, you know, have your meals or, uh, you know, I just, you had a social thing that came up that threw you off. Yeah. Right? So and, and because of that action, I used it. I channeled that energy and ended up being a 90 minute presentation that, that ended up going pretty damn well, considering that none of the. Um, None of the things that uh, uh, that were supposed to work worked. But the thing is, like, think about that. That's really, that's really um, stuff that happens to you daily and weekly in, in, in some, I would say, format, whether big or small, right? And with that said, you know, another big idea is seizing the offensive, right? Think about it. Like, when everyone else runs away, you press forward. When everyone else sees a disaster, you see opportunity. When no one, when no one else sees a way out, you lead the way. When the rest are defensive, you seize the offensive. So imagine this is this is an application to life, right? How how would that look like? Well, imagine you're working on a new product invention for the past year, right? When right before you go to patent, uh, a, a challenger, a competitor comes out with a superior product, right? How can you turn this into your advantage, right? Now, here's here's the thought process behind something like that: seize the offensive, like hey, buy their product, deconstruct it. Find its weaknesses, then re, like redo yours and make it better, right? What's the other option? Well, it's giving up. Well, it's just coming in second, right? You gotta seize the offensive. Notice how like all these are opportunities. All these are opportunities, and know that there is you know, once again, I there is you know, willpower can be trained. Okay, that's important, but. You know, I'm gonna. You're gonna see me talking about these two different concepts. They're bang heads a little bit, right? And that's willpower and environment, and how willpower doesn't work. Um, but you know, changing your environment is the fastest, 
the fastest way to progress. But at the same time, like willpower can be built just like anything else. And, you know, with here, I want to like talk about the discipline of will and somebody that, um, that, uh, that was a big, I would say, influence. And, and I've, I've, I've read and studied this person. That's Abraham Lincoln, right? Lincoln, who was known for his calm, soulful leadership. But what the, most people don't know is that he had debilitating depression. Um, and in two occasions, he nearly basically committed suicide. So just know that Lincoln didn't learn his uh, empathic will in spite of his depression, but rather because of it. So your adversity can harden your resolve against inevitable struggles of life. And one of the, actually, I'm getting this tattooed on my, uh, on my fingers, believe it or not, is, is, uh, is a saying from uh, Attar of Nishapur, which is, this too shall pass. And I've mentioned this before, and that, that has two meanings, right? This too shall pass when struggles come, know that they will also go. And when good times are there, know that they'll go, so appreciate them, right? So let me ask you a question, right? So what, you know, describe what you have to overcome to get to the place you are today, right? How did you fight on despite the obstacles, right? And it might've been, like I said, from me, it was like growing up in socialism and then going to live in London, uh, you know, coming back and like, you know, basically living post in a kind of post, well, not even post-war, like, yeah, post-war in Slovenia, but Balkan War, uh, during the Balkan War in, in uh, the former Yugoslavia, and, you know, coming up through that, then going to going through a life of crime and, right, each one of those, writing out, you know, what were the things, you know, that, that you had to overcome, but then how did you fight on despite every obstacle that you had, right? This is important because this is the discipline of will, okay? So know that, like, just all these great figures, they, you know, they didn't do things in spite of their obstacles, but rather because of them. And so you see that the obstacles essentially are a gift, right? Theodore Roosevelt was another person. Like we have a quote, you know, one of my, my favorite quotes, like, um, you know, the man in arena that's inside of the gym. But he was he was born with extreme asthma. And I, I love to connect to this story because it connects to obviously fitness, but, uh, you know, his asthma was so extreme that every night he felt like a near death experience, but he, he didn't accept it. Right. One of the things they could have easily done was like, oh man, this is, this is what I got. You know, this is nature, right? Not nurture. This is nature. Um, but he didn't accept it. Instead, he worked out every day for years in order to will his lungs into shape. By the age of 20, he won the battle, right? He said, I'll make my body. So the question is, are you prepared to attack life's challenges with equal gusto? So what, and, and the question that nobody asked themselves, what if things got worse, right? Every time you overcome, this practice fortifies your will for the future. No obstacles in on the island. Instead, they're links in a chain of never-ending grit. And, and so you got to build your citadel, right? Build your citadel. So ask yourself this, like, what is something that you're afraid of? Now, now that you write out those fears and, you know, like I said, if you got to pause the podcast and do this drill, how can you use this fear to strengthen your resolve? How can, how can you practice overcoming this every single day? All right, this is very, very important, which leads us to a big idea of anticipation, right? Thinking negatively. So I'll give you another story here because I think it's, uh, you know, being able to view through the lens of stories always helps us um, 
I don't see the picture better, right? So the CEO of a company calls a meeting. She opens by telling her employees that the project has failed and so asks, what went wrong? But the project hasn't even launched yet, right? So what's the point of this exercise? The CEO wants to anticipate the problems before they arise. She's accessing the power of negative thinking because automatically, right, negative, if you say negative thinking, automatically people are like, oh man, you're not positive, you're this, that, the other, right? But just know that examining a problem in hindsight is inferior to examining a problem before it ever happens. So this is where negative thinking can actually help you out, right? Think ahead, predict the obstacles and destroy their power. So, you know, think about this, like what's your biggest project right now? What could go wrong? Now, we, we mentioned this before, right? The obstacles, what could go wrong? Next question is, how can you prevent that from happening? And then what will you do if it happens anyway? Right? Notice how like we're getting ready in, in two ways, right? We're not, not only are we trying to prevent it from happening, which will give it less of a chance of happening, but then we're also getting ready if it happens anyway, what are we going to do? Right? Because now our brain actually already sees the path. It's not, it's not as unpredictable. Seneca said, nothing happens to the wise man against his expectation, nor do all things turn out for him as he wished, but as he reckoned. And above all, he reckoned that something could block his plans. Right? So just know that like, you have the power to think negatively, but actually like, solve some of these problems ahead of time. Okay? And we'll, we'll start closing it off because, like I said, I noticed that I have uh, a lot more Notes than I thought, but hey, isn't that always the case with Luca, damn it. <laughs> and, but I'll leave you with the last big idea is that loving everything that happens. And, and basically the Latin word for that is amor fati, right? And uh, a story that is, is powerful here is, is that when Thomas Edison's laboratory burnt down, he told his son, go get your mother and her friends. They'll never see a fire like this again. Now, think about that, right? Think about all your work, right? All the stuff that you worked on for, I don't know how long, and it's burning, right? All this, all the, all your research, all your studies, all your projects, and that's what you get to say, right? That's truly like loving everything that happens, right? I mean, would have changed anything if he had, you know, stood there crying and, and losing his mind, becoming angry or quitting altogether. And I'm not saying those are not natural emotions because that's what, what happens, but it wouldn't have changed anything, right? So instead of putting your energies into, uh, you know, or being mad at what happened, instead learn to love your fate, right? Some problem arises, great. Now it's time to learn, right? We can't always control what happened to us, but we can control how we feel about it. You know, and, and like I said, imagine you just finished a 100-page novel when a computer glitch erases it all. And I've had this happen many a times, and you know how that feels, right? Um, and, and I look back when, when I did that one time, I rewrote things better than I did the first time, right? It was an opportunity for me to make it better. So, you know, which is the best example of Amor Fati, you know? Uh, I hate everything and everyone. This always happens to me. Uh, seems like the fates don't want me to be a writer or I accept this. I'm excited. Now I will write an even better version, which is a perfect example of, you know, what I talked about before. And, you know, let's let's just finish with the, the big P, which is perseverance. So perseverance. Persistence is action, but perseverance is endurance, 
right? We talked about how important action is, but the reality is, you know, when you see success, especially over a long period of time, right? Endurance is the one that really hits the home mark because you can continue to go and go and go. And if you've been like, for instance, you know, we've been in business um, with Vigor Ground for counting the Slovenia gym, I think 13 years now, going on 13 years. Um, and, you know, in the grand scheme of things, that's not, you know, I'm looking at the next 10, even though, you know, 96% of small businesses fail in, in the first 10 years, right? So you, you look at that and you go, we've been through all types of ups and downs and we know more are coming. But the endurance is the part that will get us through it. Just like endurance will get you through whatever you're going through long term, right? And one powerful way of dealing with adversity is to see it in the context of a much longer haul, right? Like a cat, if you continuously fall your feet, you'll just callous the bottoms against future barriers. And that's how I look at it, right? I look at every single challenge calluses me and, and not in a negative way, right? They say like thick skin, what's uh, the book? Uh, thick skin, uh, but soft heart, right? Um, it's pretty much no matter what happens, only we decide whether to, whether to lace it up again. And, and that's what perseverance is, is right? Imagine you're in the middle of the desert with no water. Why will you per, per, persevere no matter what? Write a le- letter to someone you care about and like and and write that out because it's important. It's important for you to know why you're willing to persevere. And that challenges just become, you know, help like calluses so that you can continue to go. Right? And with that I'll leave you uh, you know, and just say, look, we went through a, a number of big ideas and that connect to how to overcome obstacles and struggle, how to persevere, how to win, you know, how to accept shitty things, but then still move forward and have success. Because at the foundational level, like no matter what you're doing, you know, a, a lot of times I like to do podcasts that um, or, or talk about things that are very transferable in your life, right? Whether it's, whether it's health and fitness, whether it's your career, whether it's, um, you know, business or family or anything like that. Because these drills and these perspectives will help you win. They'll help you succeed no matter what you're doing, right? You can have a tactical thing. So somebody can give you a tactic. I don't know, like, you know, eat more protein, you know, like, or eat this food and not that food, right? And those are, those are great things. And we talk about those too. We have, you know, we have shows on those. But at the bottom line, if you cannot, like, get your, you know, wrap your head around that and start seeing, you know, obstacles and opportunities and looking at at life in a different way none of that matters right because you you won't take action right and we talked about like how action 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 is what what moves you forward but the perspectives are what's going to shift that and make you take action so as always love and appreciate you guys tuning in you know go to uh i always appreciate when you guys go to itunes write a review you know Give, give the five star because more people will see it, more people will share it. And if, if somebody takes, like, number one, you are the person that needs to learn something from this and take action on it for something to change for you. So I'd have you consider and I encourage you that as you listen to the show, what are you going to do? That's my question to you. What are you going to do that's going to change something in your day listening to this? is going to change something in your life and and help you move forward, help you overcome something hard that you're going through right now, right? That's my question to you. And then please share this. Like I said, write a review, give it five stars because more people will be able to uh, experience this and do the same thing. All right, I'll catch you guys next time. Bigger Life Podcast, Coach Lucas out. Peace.